Stand with me and turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. If I sound stopped up and congested, it's because I am. Uh, I sound horrible. My, my head and my voice isn't too good, but my, my, my spirit's rocking. It's, it's all right. Spirit's good. Last week when Brother Carroll preached, and didn't he bring us a good word last week? Uh, I, I can't hardly stand good preaching. If I'm in it, I just get all stirred, and I was taking notes, and I said, ooh, I like, ooh. And so all week I thought about it, and so by no means could I ever uh, compete or, or add to his message, but I wrote my own about that, that text, so it stirred me. And if y'all don't mind, you know, if you get a steak, a good steak, you got to chew it a while. You got to you got to work it out, get everything out of it. So I believe the Lord has something for us in this passage this morning. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. If you're there, say amen. And Jesus went and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, don't just read that like the newspaper. She is possessed. That doesn't mean, you know, you think of Hollywood's description of possession. They have to always be floating, and their head has to be spinning around, and they're always throwing up. No, it means that she is in absolute self-destruction mode to herself and those around her. She is unsafe, and those around her are unsafe. He answered, uh, she cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on us, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. I didn't think she was crying after the disciples. Be careful of religious people that try to turn you away from Jesus in any capacity. Just, that's for free. That's not even part of the sermon. But Jesus answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And the Lord said, Lord, truth. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto you even as you have desired. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. We should have this on the screen. I want you to look at Mark chapter 7. The same story from a different author in his words. And there's just a couple of things out of this passage. This is the only two gospels this story is shared in. But I want to read it because I want to bring something out of it in a moment. And from there Jesus arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house. And had no desire for men to know that he was there but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, unto her Let the children first be filled, for it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she answered and said unto Jesus, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, listen, for this thy saying, this utterance of your faith, 
this personal articulation of your concept of who I am, thy saying. Let me pause right there just a moment. That's the problem in today's multimedia generation and with all the plethora of uh, Christian television. Not that it's wrong, but we are filled with other people's sayings and have none of our own. We're regurgitating, copy and pasting what we read online instead of coming to a resolve of our own. And Jesus said, for this thy saying, go your way. The devil has gone out of your daughter. And when she came to her house, she found the devil gone and her daughter laying upon the bed. Your faith, 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that overcometh the whole world, your faith in God, your belief system, your firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the Lord and his word overcomes every situation, every opposition, every obstacle, every loss, every hindrance, every confusing place. Every discouraging place, every distorted place, when you're misunderstood, when you're maligned, when you're unappreciated, whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, penthouse or poorhouse, sickness and in health, your faith, your saying about God and who he is overcometh the whole world. I want to speak to you this morning by God's grace on the subject of the making of great faith. Jesus and his word teaches us, he would say to people, oh, ye of little faith. He would say to others, how is it that you have no faith? He told some, he said, great is your faith. And then he said to one, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. So it would seem to me that God has given to every man a measure of faith. But how great your faith is, is dependent upon your garden your soul. Don't get your cues from other people because they're lazy. Don't judge yourself by them. They might have little faith. We want to run so far into God, we stick out the other end. That was, that was good, I thought. Thank you very much. <laughs> Would you pray for me as I pray for myself this morning? Father, I feel so uh, limited in my physical body and uh, my, my head has stopped up with vertigo and all of these things. But I know you can empower me for these few moments. Not just that. Of course you could heal me. And I pray those things. But you could also empower me to navigate through this. So that I might minister your people effectively and faithfully. Allow the word to come alive in our heart. And may we be people of great faith. Not excuses. Not excuses Lord. Those that are good at excuses are rarely good at anything else. But that we would be people of great faith. And that not so we can just get what we want. That we can honor you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The making of great faith. If you're taking notes, I'll go ahead and give you the four. So that you can write them down, leave you some space for your notes. Let me handle my business here first. Hold on. 
All right. Her faith was declared great because, number one, it was based upon the Word of God. It was based upon the Word of God. Number two, it was personal. Number three, it was vocal. And then number four, you can just write contrast. Number one, it was based upon the word of God. Number two, it was personal. Number three, it was vocal. And then number four, contrast. Number one, it was based upon the word of God, the making of great faith. Her faith was declared great because it was based upon the word of God. It says in verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Now, Canaanites were not just not of Israel. They were the enemies of Israel. Uh, Josh, if you could turn me down a little bit. It may not be loud there, but I'm echoing in my own head pretty bad. That's, that's scary. Uh, she was not only not of Israel, she was part of a nation that God commanded the Israelites in Old Testament times to destroy all the people. Pagan among pagans. Uh, people that would uh, rape and ravage the Israelites. Uh, horrible enemies of God. The land of the giants, where the offspring of, of where the, produced the Nephilim as well. And we'll get in that on a, a later date. Um, but she, even though she was outside of the commonwealth of Israel, she had come to an understanding of who God was by the things that she heard. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, there's a lot of, in, in the media today, a lot of, of, of uses of the word faith that have nothing to do with God. Faith in your truth, faith in God, the higher power, the celestial eye, and all these things. But there, there is no faith, no divine faith that's not based upon the Word of God. Every other faith is a bastard faith. It's an illegitimate faith. It must, it must be attached to the Word of God. And for her to use a term that Canaanites would never be exposed to, son of David... That was a messianic term. That was a term used in the Old Testament of the Messiah who was to come. When King David's rule was, well, King David's rule was filled with victory, power, glory, provision, protection, and the preservation of God's people, there were prophecies of a coming Savior who would have no peers, no equal, no limits, and his rule and reign would be forever. Some messianic prophecies in the Old Testament made it clear that Messiah would heal the sick, help the blind to see and the lame to walk. Therefore, the son of David had a specific connection to the miracle of healing. In Matthew, 20, in Matthew 12, listen to this. There was brought to Jesus one that was possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and Jesus healed him. Insomuch that the blind man saw and spoke. And the people said, could this be? Is not this the son of David? The Israelites knew that one of the signs of Messiah 
that nothing could stand before him. No principality, no power, no spiritual wickedness, no physical malady, no deficiency, no insufficiency, no disease. He was ruler over all. And she used that phrase. The Pharisees wouldn't acknowledge him as the son of David. Because when you acknowledge him as the son of David, it left no glory for them. But here's a woman that said, I'd heard. She'd heard about him. And see, we, we have distorted and it's been diluted and polluted to where we feel like we have to go through all the different people and the channels and the pastor and the prophet and the intercessor and the cardinal and the bishop and the pope and the sacraments and all these things when all you need is faith. All you need is faith. When what you've heard about God comes from the word of God, you can approach him based on that eternal information that will never change. How odd was it? To my record, this is the only time a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician woman who was probably raised in the occult had seen child sacrifice in her life, no doubt, Use the term son of David. I wonder what Jesus, the God man, when he heard that, I wonder if he turned and went, what? It would be like, uh, it's hard to find an illustration. You, you have no idea how ignorant I am to carpentry um, or fixing a car. And I determined years ago that I would not be the guy when somebody comes over to my house to look at my car and I lift the hood that I put my head under the hood and tell them what I think. You know, if I say, well, what, what, what I think it was. How many of y'all work on cars, guys? How long would it take you to realize I did not know what I was talking about if I started talking? Just instantaneously. It's like when people find out I'm a pastor and they start talking Bible salad. And it's, you know. Get all the stories mixed up, you know. Uh, but if, if I rattled off some uh, term that let you know that I knew about the idling timing and all the other stuff, you went, oh, you, you know about this. That's what happened when Jesus said this. The scribes and the Pharisees were all talking about God all the time and did not even recognize God when he walked in front of them. But this woman said, son of David. I said all that to say this. When your faith is based upon the eternal, unchanging, revealed word of God, God's frequency is tuned to it. Watch. Not you're the Lord that heals. You're the Lord that healeth me. Not just that you're Savior but that you're my savior. Not that it's your protector, but you're my protector. You're my preserver. You're it for me. You're my all in all. I lift up mine eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. I don't trust in horses. I don't trust in chariots. My help cometh from the Lord. And when you personalize it like that, it turns the ear and heart of God. She said, son of David, It'd be like if, you know, grief come over, he's working on my appliances, and I started talking about the wiring, and he said, who told you that? You ain't supposed to know that. That's how Jesus felt when this woman said, son of David. 
Her faith came from hearing and hearing the word of God. This is why desperate people like the blind who cried out to Jesus all throughout the Gospels use the Messianic title, Son of David. Now, this is so good. Don't you love when you see something right under the surface that you've read forever and ever, and then it jumps out at you and you go, oh, that's good. I'm about to give you one of those. Breakfast is ready. Put the napkin under here. Here come the hot pancakes. You ready? This is just so rich. And I don't mean that irreverent. I mean uh, just... Thy words were found, and I did eat them, the Bible said. And they were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. And what was it that the, the shepherds voiced abroad? Listen. The angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to... Mm. For unto you in the city of David is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. And this message shall be for all people. The good and the bad, the Jew and the Gentile, the failure and those that don't fail quite as often, the, 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 the pretty and the ugly, the rich and the poor, the friend and those that are friends and those that are friendless, all people. And she heard she heard of him being son of David. And it has to, there has to be there that notion of all people. And she said, oh, that's me. So when you read, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, whosoever. That means me. Call on me and I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Call on you and you'll answer. That's me. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. That's me. This woman had great faith because it was based upon the word of God. Not her feelings. Not who believed with her. Not who was against her. How is it that we see our obstacles more clearly than the Savior? The disciples said, send her away. And some of us are so hurt about what somebody said or did or somebody didn't do or did do, and which has nothing to do with your walk with the Lord. They were crazy before you walked with the Lord. And they're crazy after you walk with the Lord. And here's the balance to that. And you are somebody's crazy person. <sighs> yeah, it's a two-sided coin. No one, no one, gets to walk with the Lord with me. Really. He's in me and I'm in him. And I can believe him for anything regardless of if I walk alone or with a crowd. We bring our faith together collectively, but we have it individually. That's good. So... If faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the word of God is less than 1% of your life, how do you plan on having great faith when you have little word? Oh, I'd rather just come down front and let the preacher lay hands on me. I know that's easier than learning of Christ. That's easier than walking with Christ and studying to show yourself approved. Why is it that we demand of our children in a public school what we do not do in our private life with Jesus Christ? 
We demand of them to be a good student. Are you a student of the Word of God? Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Disciplined. We get our word disciple. Study to show yourself approved. A workman worthy who needeth not to be ashamed. Ashamed of what? Of his lack of knowledge of the Word of God. By then, the Bible tells us, by now, some of you ought to be teach. You ought to be teachers. You ought to be preaching. You ought to be instructing others. And we're still drinking the milk of the Word of God. I'm not getting on to you, but I'm just telling you. How do you have great faith? Great Word. Great Word. Great Word. Word in the morning. Word in the afternoon. Word in the evening. Memorizing the Word. Applying the Word. Eating of the Word. Great faith is not a gift. God gives to you a measure of faith. Great faith is a result of the Word of God that's active and submitted to in your life. It's not enough to know it. Many of the Pharisees could quote the first five books of the Bible. So it's not enough just being in church all your life. You know, I've been in church 50 years. Well, going to McDonald's don't make me a Big Mac. And going to church don't make you a, a, a Christian with great faith. Your life would change, not just dramatically, in every way for the better if you became a student of the Word of God. Number two, it was personal. How to have great faith. It has to be personal. She came to Christ herself. She came to Christ alone. Now this is with her need. This is with her burden. And it doesn't mean we can't have other people praying with us and for us, but we know that this is an individual walk. She came to Christ desperate. Oh, let me just hit this for just a minute. She, wait a minute, I've got it. Well, I'll get to it in the next point. She came to him desperate. She came to Christ believing. She came in humility, no arrogance, no how could you have let this happen. None of that. She came to him exclusively and confidently. Hebrews 10 says, cast not therefore away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, which seems to imply that inside of your confidence is the reward. So if this is my confidence in God, don't throw it away because in that confidence is the reward. And God will decide when he opens up the confidence and reveals the reward. Cast not therefore away your confidence. Why would God say that in his word? Because many do. Time passes and they're unanswered. That's kind of like that delay where Jesus ignored her at first, seemingly ignored her. And I've read, you know, a lot of commentaries and I've heard preachers say that uh, he was very distant and cold and aloof. I don't think that at all. That's contrary to the nature, disposition, and actions of Jesus. I think he was trying to pull it out of her. You just said son of David. Anybody can say son of David. Let me see if you really believe. And by ignoring her, that faith, real faith, real faith does not dissolve during difficulty. It comes to the surface. He wanted to pull it out of her. 1 John 5 says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we've desired of him. So this woman came and said, as for me, my problem is personal, 
my prayer is personal and my God is personal. And she said, I have a daughter that needs healing, son of David. Do you see? We, 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 oh, we make so difficult things that are so simple. Coming to God like a child, believing that he is who he said he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Appropriating our own faith. I'm grateful for the heritage my mom and dad gave me. I'm grateful for that. But I can't live my life talking about mama's God and daddy's God. I got to know God for myself. I got to know God heals me. I've got to know and believe God provides for me, restores me, protects me, preserves me. And that person that has that faith, the shield of faith, listen, that belief system about God, when your shield is perfect, and by perfect, I don't mean without flaw, I mean fully matured. The Bible said, and with the shield of faith, you can extinguish every fiery dart of the devil. You aren't loved, no better. God's gonna fail you, I know better. That for, I know better, I know better. If I didn't know better, You'd have an inroad, but I know better. I know the Lord will never leave me. God's left you. Well, his word says he won't. And one of you is lying, so I guess that believes you, leaves you alone. Number three, and this is what I want to focus on this morning. The next two. It was vocal. For this thy saying... Go your way, the devil has gone out. He said her faith was great... But in Mark, it said, because of your saying. You know, some of us have faith unvocalized. And that, my friend, is only an opinion. She said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What'd you call me? Divine controller supreme being of all things since the beginning of time to the end of time. Master, aren't you a Canaanite? Master, I didn't come to you based on who I am. I came to you based on who you are. Man. Now save that thought because it gets better. What are you saying about your situation? What are you saying about the unanswered prayer? What are you saying about the difficult season? Know this, that God hears every word. And he reads our thoughts. He asked one of them, he said, why did you just reason amongst yourself if it was okay for me to heal on the Sabbath? They said, I didn't say nothing. I didn't say you said it. You thought it. That's scary. You got me. Sarah, why'd you laugh? I didn't laugh. Nay, but you did laugh. I heard you. Okay, my bad. I laughed. Yeah. What are you saying? Know this, that God hears you. And he's either pleased or displeased with what you're saying. He's either joyful or disappointed at what you're saying. It either brings him glory or dishonor. The Bible said that the people of Israel murmured and complained and the Lord heard it and his anger was kindled against them. 
and he sent a consuming fire and destroyed many of them. In another place, they murmured and complained because of the difficulty of the way. And God sent fiery serpents among the people and it bit them and many of them died. What if God sent snakes to the chronic complainers in this house? Some of us, we laugh, <laughs> some of us it would be like uh, our, our house would look like the largest botanical gardens on the face of the earth. And he's not talking about physical snakes. What if the Lord says, is that what they believe about me? Lower the hedge of protection. Let them have what they say. They say I'm uncaring. I'll stop caring. Oh, God wouldn't do that. Look at the Israelites. And they all died in the wilderness because they had said that the giants were too large and what they were saying was God was too small. And God heard it. Every idle word shall men give an account because by your words you are justified and by your words you are condemned. What are you saying? Some of us need to go home and repent because the blockage in our life is what we have said or not said about God. What are you saying? During the darkest years of my life, I'll meet people and I'll tell them about those, that time period. And they'll say, and you still pastored? And I don't take any, I'm not bragging, hear me out. What would have buried some people kept me afloat. If I didn't have this pulpit, I knew no matter how bad it got, I was six days away from preaching. <laughs> Sunday comes around with amazing regularity. <laughs> and I would, follow me, depressed, discouraged. I'd lost over 50 pounds. I couldn't sleep. I was having nightmares. I was at the verge of a heart attack and a nervous breakdown. What sustained you? i get up and I would speak my sayings. You see? What's your saying? God's greater than this. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to get there. I don't know how God's going to put it back together, but God's going to put it back together. I don't know how I'm going to be preserved. I don't know the end result, but I still believe God. And for this thy saying, I believe I was kept because of those. Even though I was too weak to, to, to walk in an absolute victory, my sayings were, I would vent and I would be frustrated and I would be so disappointed and discouraged and almost without hope. And I'd say, but I know what God's word says. And I would say what God says. What are you saying? What if I told you it's recorded. We left a phone on at your house. And we punched record and we heard all that you said about the Lord. I think some of us need to repent and go back before him and make sure that we're saying what we've learned about him in his word. Well, Brother John, that's not right. You've told us all along to be authentic. And the facts are, I didn't tell you to lie about the facts. State all the facts. The doctor's report was this. The doctor said there's no hope. Okay, those are the facts. But the truth is, he forgiveth all my iniquities and he healeth all my diseases. So you line the truth up with the facts and let God do battle. Well, God doesn't get any glory in us lying about the facts. But please don't forget to tell the truth. All right. 
Hers was vocal. It was natural for her. Here's someone who had never been part of uh, temple, had never been part of Moses in the wilderness, had never been part of the Jewish culture. And you see how they just rolled off her tongue? Son of David. The Jews rarely used that. There were only a handful of Jews in the days of Jesus' earthly ministry that recognized him. Here's what I want you to see. She's not going to say in public what she's not rehearsed in private. She's been telling people, that's him. That one they're talking about, that's Messiah. That's son of David. It was natural for her to say it because she believed the word about him. And in this situation, it was loud and desperate. It says she cried out. And this is what I want to touch on for just some here. Some of us are so proud that maybe not in private and most assuredly in public, we would never cry out for fear of what someone would think about us. And I've been preaching in churches as I used to travel and I would preach on the evangelistic field. And in the middle of the sermon, a mama would get up and just scream and run to the altar and collapse on the altar. And I knew you'd have a couple Pharisees. Go, That's so disruptive. And I, in my spirit, I just, you know, it's like when Jesus knelt and just started drawing in the ground. You know, he's probably counting two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is the whole reason I'm preaching to get someone to respond to God. And you don't know the hell they're going through. You don't know that their daughter's diagnosed with a, a fatal disease or they're in absolute rebellion or the son's gone and she was crying out to God. And many of us are sinking, going under saying, would someone on the shore please throw me a line? When's the last time you cried out to God? Help me, Lord! Help me, God! And those desperate cries. Kelly can hear them at night. I don't hear them. I sleep. Once I'm sleeping, my snoring's so loud, it just inoculates me from all sounds. But one of my babies can cry. Because she's tuned to their frequency. And they're always making noise. You can hear them upstairs. Ah, 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 ah. And all of a sudden, Kelly will run up the stairs. Like, what happened? One of them's hurt. They've been hollering for 40 minutes. She goes, no, that was different. The inflection, the pitch, the tone. How did you know? Because I know their voice. She cried out to God. It was directional. She cried unto him. This is another one of our problems. The Lord showed me about myself during that horrible season I told you about. I would cry literally all during the day for about three years, three and a half years. And about the one year mark, the Lord told me, wasted tears. I said, what? He said, you're crying, but you're not crying unto me. The tears were hitting the ground instead of me offering them to him. Who are you crying to? We cry to people on the phone and we cry out passive on Facebook so someone can put a little bit of therapeutic pity on there and it never addresses the wound. Who you crying to shows me who you need help from, who you seek help from. I cried unto the Lord and he heard me from his holy hill, David said. He heard my cry and pitied every moan of mine. 
It was specific. Have mercy on me. It was enlightened. Oh, Lord. Once again, in the Old Testament, the Jews were so reverent of, of the name Yahweh, they would not spell it with all of the vowels. It would be just the consonant sounds. But she's using an Old Testament name for the highest degree of recognition of who God is. She's enlightened. She said, I'm not coming before a deified man. I'm not coming before some priest. I'm coming before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have confidence when you know who you're talking to. You ever been on the phone with customer service these days? And an hour in, you say, could I please speak to someone, first of all, that's English. Secondly, if, and I don't mean that wrong. I just, I can hardly understand me. You know, and if, if anyway, I say, and can I speak to someone with some authority? Someone that can take the mouse and move it over and just click one time and help me out of this hole. Can I talk to somebody that know, doesn't have to have pictures on the keyboard? Please. When she said, Lord, she stepped over 99% of the living Israelites in that day and said, I know who you are. I know right who you are. Not just Messiah to come, but Lord here today. It was accurate. Son of David, deliverer, healer. It was honest. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Here's another reason we struggle is we're not honest with the Lord. We downplay our sins. We downplay our situation. You know, you, you know anybody like this and just look straight ahead. You don't have to look to your side and get them in trouble. But they lie. They got their arm, you know, they got their uh, leg in the hand right here. You got one leg holding another leg. How you doing? I'm good. Marriage is going under. How are y'all? <laughs> Happy and blessed. I thought you hated him. Yes, I didn't say that. There's a lie. And you know where liars go. Anyway, this is totally separate sermon. She said, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Oh, how your prayer life would change if you told the truth. My heart is ice cold. Oh, God. I am backslid, oh Lord. I've lost my joy, oh God. Lord, our marriage is going south. Help us, oh Lord. She was honest. So how's it going with your daughter? My daughter's demon-possessed. And I'm going to go to the one that can just look her direction and the demons tremble. It was persistent said, I'm not sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what Jesus told her. Oh, I didn't ask you to come to me. I came to you. Persistent. Persistent. And it was worshipful. So Jesus said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. And the Bible said, then she came and worshipped him. Saints, this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in the word of God. I think I've shared it with you once before. In the 25 years we've had together. So the Lord pretty much told her. He didn't tell her no. He just said it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. And she came and worshipped him. 
There's a lot of Hebrew and Greek words for worship. But may I read this to you? And I'm not a, a Greek scholar, but listen. The word worship is pronounced proskeneo. And it means to kiss like a dog licking its master's hand. To fawn or to crouch. To prostrate oneself and do homage. I wonder. That's what, that's what it said she did. I wonder when he said it's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. I wonder if she came and knelt before him like a dog would under a table. And just put her head under his hand. That's what it says. It doesn't say she worshipped him uplifted hands. It said... And I know you might find this offensive, but it used the example like a dog would lick a master's hand. How low, how humbly, how low are you willing to go to acknowledge your need and God's power? I just see the pride in us because I could never. It ain't your daughter. And she came before him and she crouched before him and knelt and put her head under his hand. And she said it, and she worshiped him in the delay. He didn't say no, but it looked like no. What are you doing in the gap? Brooke, if you will come. What are you doing in the gap? She worshiped. And then she said one simple prayer. Lord, help me. It's not right. If she's right here. It's not right to give children's bread to dogs. You're not. See, the church hadn't been introduced yet. The church hasn't been revealed yet. Christ did not die yet. You're, you're outside the commonwealth of Israel. It's not. And by dogs, what that meant was. In the same way a dog would not be human, a Gentile could not be a Jew. That's what it meant. It wasn't like calling someone the B word. That wasn't what it was. It says there's no connection between you and the Jews. Oh, Lord, I'm not saying I'm not a dog. I'm saying I'm your puppy. Because I believe in you. And he said, for this thy saying, because of that, because of your faith in something coming that you don't even know about. The all people, I believe she was the first. The first Gentile that came in and ate children's bread. And he said, go your way, your daughter's well. Now if you'd give me five more minutes, I'm going to really short circuit you. You ready? That's wonderful. She came based on who he was and not who she was. But let's contrast this to us today. How could she, a Canaanite, an enemy of Israel, with no access to the Torah, no access to the prophets, no invitation yet from God, only upon hearing about him, be so bold, so determined, and so effective in the confidence of her correspondence with Christ? And we be so distant, so unbelieving, so doubtful. She had incomplete faith. 
But ours is full and finished this side of the revelation of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ for us. She moved the heart of God and Jesus hadn't even died yet. So I'm looking at her and I'm like, wait a minute. If she could have great faith before Christ died, what can I have? She had no relationship to the Father. But we have obtained adoption and now we are his sons. Listen, I could... If I had time, I'd hit this long. Listen to this. Jesus teaches how to pray. He said, our Father, that's how you pray. You come before me. You're not a stranger. You're not a Jew. You're not a Gentile. You're a son. Our Father. Don't pray outside a relationship. She moved the heart of God and had no relationship. And he recognizes me and said, that's bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. So humbly... I not only come before him because of who he is, I come before him because of who I am in him. You see? I want you to contrast her great faith with the potential that you could have. She had no relationship to Christ, but we are the very bride of Christ. We are the bride. Not just the son, but a bride. She had no invitation. But we are invited in, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for God is faithful that is promised. You can find grace for help in time of need. She didn't have that invitation and she got her prayer answered. We have an invitation and the torn body of Jesus Christ to walk through. And we stay on this side of the curtain. And we have divine access. One last one. Jesus spoke a parable unto them, unto this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint saying, There was in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. She came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while. There's the delay. But afterward he said to himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. You know, we were taught in so many words... You had to weary God to get what you wanted. It's like that. just bombard heaven. You ever heard that phrase? That's like war, isn't it? Bombard heaven. Break up the brass ceiling that God has put between us and him. Twist his arm to where he goes, okay, okay, wear him out. And the scripture says, hear what the unjust judge says. Look, it'll be in your Bible. Look it up when you get home. Hear what the unjust judge said. He said, I fear not God, but your judge is God. I regard not man, but your your God regardeth even a sparrow that falleth to the ground. Hear what the unjust judge says and flip it all the way over and go the other way. This isn't about you wearing me. This is about me caring for you. This isn't about 
difficulty or lateness of the hour. I've been waiting on you to come. And God is so powerful and broad and magnificent that if every human being on the face of the earth prayed at exactly the same time, it would be as if you were the only one praying. It said, and shall not God avenge his own elect which cry out to him day and night? Though he bear long with them, I tell you, he will answer them speedily. Yet when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith in the earth? Will there even be faith? Unoffered prayer. Unsustained prayer. Unbelieving prayer. And there stands a Syrophoenician woman that says, You have all that revelation. And I got my healing on a crumb. One crumb could fall from the master's table and change everything I need. And we sit and partake of the body and blood of the Lord in memoriam. What does it take to have great faith? Obtain it and exercise it and see the hand of God move in your life. We have just a quick moment. I want to just give you a chance to respond. If God is speaking to your heart about a specific thing you're praying for or that, oh God, forgive me. God, help me. I, I want to be that person of faith. We only have like three or four minutes but I'm going to ask you to start that song again for me. And I want us to come around the front and stand before the Lord. I just think it's important that we respond to the word of God. So this altar is open for you to come stand with us this morning. God is able. God is able. And he. God is able, God is able, and he, he won't fail. Tell me who can make a mountain move out of my way, who can make a because of my faith and when the doctor says no who can still say yes and when I'm in trouble who's right there to help me pass every test God is able God is able
Never forsake. No, he won't fail. He'll be there till the end. God won't fail. He won't fail. Church family, would you stand with me before we dismiss this morning? Just got two things I want to share with you real quick, and you're dismissed. It's not important who, and you wouldn't know, but this week I had a chance to meet with someone, and uh, I can count on one hand how many people that I've met with in private that have suffered the tragedy that this person has. I felt like powerless to help. So I just talked about God. I just talked about the Lord and grace and uh, our helplessness. And I'm being honest with you. I, I, I didn't see that I gained any ground. Because when you've hurt for 30 years and you get it 30 minutes or an hour with somebody, it's like filling up an ocean with a thimble, you know. One of the first people I saw this morning was that person. They come up to me and their countenance was light. And I said, hey, before we do all this today, I want to get saved. (laughs) Like, what? And I'm the kind of person that is like, right now, let's go. And and I just felt in my heart, said, hmm, it's already done. I've already moved in his heart. He just heard. He just heard. And from a pit of loss and despair, I don't know, I just believe. And that's a crumb, a crumb. 
uh, just a crumb. Just, just. And this is a small, listen, compared to that, this is small, but I love, when I'm believing for something, and see, I have a platform. I got a mic, I can tell y'all. I can, I can just blast it to everyone. Y'all know we're praying for a little brother. So I haven't told, I, don't, I just keep forgetting, but about a month ago, Brother Sego came, I called him. He's my carpenter that helps me. He compensates. What does that mean? He does it. <laughs> we bought and put together our full and twin bunk beds in our room. And we've, the sheets are put on the bed and the pillow. And Elisha will say, I'm going to sleep in my little brother's bed tonight. I said, okay, we're, we're ready. I'm teaching him. I said, Elisha, you know why we're doing this? Because your daddy believes with you and for you. And God fills a sterile man's house with babies. And so I just, I want to put it out there. The bunk bed's empty right now, but it shan't be for long. Is that King James? Shan't, shall not. Wade, come on up, buddy, if you will. Brother Wade, Pastor Wade, Brooke, we appreciate y'all so much. Don't you love these guys? Don't you just love them? Will you dismiss us this morning? Will you bow your heads with me? Oh, Lord, that you would challenge our faith this morning. God, because you're inviting us deeper. You're inviting us to greater things. You're inviting us to see you work in bigger ways. You're inviting us into the bigger plans that you have. And God, we've been waiting on the outside and this morning you're calling us in. Oh God, that our faith would grow, our faith would mature today, that our faith would mature and beyond where it's been so that we can go where we've never been with you. Oh God, do it in us. God, that's my prayer, God, that your faith in me would rise up like never before. God, as this woman who was so menial in your plan could have such great faith and us who you adopted children who have all the opportunity for all the faith in the world to explode, we sit on the sidelines. Lord, today, let it not be said that we stood on the sidelines, but let it be said that we entered the game. So let your faith grow in us today, God, we pray. Let this word burn in us this week. Let it penetrate our hearts. Let it come forth and produce that which you want it to, that which you command it to. God, let this fruit rise in us today. God, let it grow in our hearts, I ask and I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the precious name of Jesus, amen. Can we do this right as we walk out? Can we just sing that blessed assurance in faith today? Because this is our story, isn't it? That it's the faith of Christ in us.